guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we are in the future. Indeed we are. <laughs> I have missed you, Jake. I have not Aww. seen you in like two weeks, probably. because we. It, we it actually has been a while. It has been a while, so it's good to be back in the studio. And we have, uh, you know, I've been waiting for this. The Taycon release. The yeah, Porsche Taycon. This is going to be a lot of Taycon stuff. You're going you're gonna to get our take on. The, the take, take on, on. Yeah. you know, it's yeah, pretty good. I right? saw that. It's pretty good, wasn't yeah, it? It's clever. It was on a scale from one to ten. What do you think that one was? Yeah, it was a six. Okay, well, it's above average then. Yeah. I, I could appreciate that. And we're also going to talk about my trip to Road America and and my little motorcycle adventure. That yeah, I Jake took had last a motorcycle weekend. adventure. Did you join a? Did you join a club? Did you join a motorcycle club? Uh, no. Do you my have my wife and I? I guess was the club this last weekend. <laughs> do you guys have leather stuff that you can wear, like Jake? Jake and Nikki's motorcycle club with like <laughs> well, some I'll sort work of skull. On that. I'll yeah, work on you that. You guys Chris. should start a club. All right. Uh, so we talked to Pete Stout. Yes. Who is the editor at Triple Zero about his? What's funny is he called me and we were talking about some other stuff. And I was I already had everything set up because I was waiting for Fetter to um, to call into the podcast to sure. talk about it. And Pete called him like, Hey, do you want to just talk about this a little bit? Right. He said, Yeah. So we talk about that a little bit. So he's, he's always, the editor of Triple Zero, which is a Porsche magazine. Yeah. So he knows all about his the insight. Takedown. Is always. Ex- is really really good yeah he's been around porsche and editor for a bunch of different porsche magazines for decades right uh, so his insight is always appreciated and then of course fetter is nine thousand volts of information <laughs> so, so he was actually at the more re- powerful than the take yeah so pete has written in it yep. and joel was there at the release right or at the premiere so yep. we've got and some interesting insight as from, well. from those guys uh, but before we get into anything else we have another new sponsor for you guys this is very exciting uh, let's talk about our latest sponsor, WeatherTech. Now, guys, I'm sorry to say it, but fall is kind of right around the corner. And with all the mud, dirt, and leaves that seem to track the way into your car, but I've got some great news. We're super excited to be working with WeatherTech. They've got you covered with their entire line of auto accessories. Their famous floor liners and cargo liners are laser measured to custom fit your vehicle and protect your car's carpet. And when they do get dirty, they're easy to remove and wash. WeatherTech also offers detailing products to make your entire car or truck stay clean. Best of all, WeatherTech floor liners, cargo liners, and the TechCare auto detailing and cleaning products are made right here in the USA with unbeatable quality. I mean, I like that really that. is their hallmark. So be sure to head over to weathertech.com to check out all their solutions, whether for your car, home, or even pet. Plus, we actually are working with them for a $20 WeatherTech gift card giveaway. Go over to weathertech.com slash overcrest, and you can sign up to be entered in their uh, WeatherTech giveaway. What, what's the giveaway? Overcrest. What are you getting? You're getting a $20 gift card right on um, for so use with WeatherTech. I have, uh, so Volkswagen has something called Monster Mats. Right. Right. And then you yep. can get those. I Westside always gives me those, but the the lip on the edges is not very big. Right. WeatherTech is like a bucket, right? <laughs> yeah. So you can just. Yeah. It's basically your, your muddy, snowy boots. It catches everything and keeps your car yes. clean. And, um, and a you, lot know of people you, you know where you can put those? those? Where? In your foot garage. Yes. Well, that's a. <laughs> you'll learn more about that. You'll term learn more about later the in the episode. We'll more so about that soon. That's very exciting. WeatherTech.com slash Overcrest. All right. So I was at Road America again. I think this is the most times I've ever been to Road America in a year. I think it's four, I mean, like four times or something. I don't even. Okay. Yeah. I don't and even so know. why were you out there this time? So Porsche Panorama, which is the publication for PCA, Porsche Club of America. Right. Um, great magazine. They, so you might guys might remember last year I went out there and I did a, I wrote an article about the 991 
GT2 RS mm -hmm. versus a, I believe, a 997 GT3 Cup. Right. So, so it's we, a shootout between kind of the race car yep. and the street car. So this is total deja vu. So now what Porsche <laughs> has done is they've come out with the GT2 RS Club Sport. Right, which, which looks is, like a monster. Yes, it it really is. You know, I'm going to pick yeah. on it a little bit, but okay. it, it truly is a monster. And then we we so we compared that with a um, a 991 Cup. Okay, so it was a little bit of a newer Cup car. Now and that the 991 new, Cup car is that the the mid rear engine car? No, that's like a, that's an RSR. Okay, you're right. Yeah, so that's not it. Although I, I think there was one of those. At, it was either a GT3R or an RSR. There's too many RSR, RRs, RSR. There's a lot R, of different variants. GT3R. I know. There's too many things going on. So this is a the GT2RS Club Sport. Is I think it's they're about five hundred grand. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> like come on. And they're not street legal. They are not street legal. They, they only come with a uh, with a bill of sale, basically. Yep. Essentially, you just own the car. There's no title right. necessarily. So selling them becomes like, here, let me shake your hand and give you this briefcase <laughs> full of money. <laughs> so it's there's only 200 of them. Okay. That's it. It's zero. There's only 200, 200. people willing to part with 500,000 for this thing. I don't know. It's 700 horsepower, seven-speed PDK. Um, it's based off the standard GT2 RS, which is also, you remember that 935 that's... Um, that they yes. did for a little while. Yep. That's yeah, yeah. basically all the same same car. Gotcha. But the thing is, is this thing, when I think of race car, I think of like the cup car, which right. is sequential gearbox, yes, a cage, engine, tires, you. <laughs> you know, right. it's just and this is not super basic. This is not that. It's not that. It has air conditioning. Oh, motorized headlights, power mirrors. It just doesn't Does quite it have a full interior though. No, no, yeah, no, no. So no. it's stripped down like a race car, Completely but it has some down. weird. But it has air conditioning. Strip out. And here's the thing: this is it's so you don't have to get hot, right? You know, you can get it out because of because you can get out of your loafers into your race suit, right? And because be let's be clear: the purpose of this car, the purpose for this car is for the rich guy to go out to the racetrack and enjoy his time out there with the perfect tool. Yeah, it's meant to be at club sport events and selected motorsport meets. That's right. the purpose of the car. It it's, doesn't it's have not like a its competition own competition car. No, it's not a cup car. So I kind of get it. It has the cup suspension, stuff like that. So okay. it's all like solid bearings and bushings and all this stuff. And it did. I can't talk about the time that it did. Okay. But it is very, very, very fast. I imagine. <laughs> and here's the thing. I was like, I was taking the pictures. Lee Keen was driving. Yep. So he flew up and he brought his uh, GT3 Cup MR, which is like a GT3 Cup with looks like a spaceship looks like the sp space shuttle was taken apart and bolted onto the car there's so, so much what is arrow the on this. i saw this and it's i just basically don't know it's it's just a gt3 cup with a ton of arrow basically oh. is, is kind of my impression okay boil boiled down that's what it is um which you'd think it would be a little bit slower on that track because of all the arrow mm -hmm. it's got More a drag. stock cup motor in it so it's okay. down on power in air quotes <laughs> um so Here's the thing. I was I was in Canada Corner, which is my favorite place to be at that track. Okay. What come turn is that? Uh, I'm trying to picture. Like 13 or 15. Okay. I don't know what turn it is. I just know it's Canada Corner. So you come around the carousel. Yes. You exit the carousel, and you go through the kink. Yes. And then you go down the straight into a hard right up yes. the hill. Okay. That That's hard right Canada. is Canada Corner. I got you. You're Thank you. You're deep in this valley. Yeah. And the elevation is way down there. You're way down there. So all the sound echoes off the trees and the rocks sure. and everything else. So and they're under under load all the way up and you get to watch them hard break, turn right and go super load up these hills. Sure. So I love being there. And every 
this GT tour, the the cup would go by, and I'm like, oh yeah, this things. I mean, you hear it. It is oh, I'm loud. Sure, you can hear it anywhere on the track. <laughs> it was, we did times, but that's the only car on track, right? Yep. And you, the you hear time. it the whole time. And it's the whole time. Road America is not a small. It's course. a four mile, fourteen or fifteen turn yep. track. It's big, and it's all right. natural elevation, and it largely, unlike most other tracks in this country, that track is largely unchanged. The layout of the track, okay, as it is now, is as it was in the fifties, okay, which is to me really, really cool, right? I really like that. Um, plus, they didn't bulldoze a bunch of land around and build it on some like, like if you think of uh, what's the track in Texas? I can't even think of it right now. Oh, Circuit of the Americas, it's Circuit of the, Coda or whatever everybody calls it. I've not been there. But every time I see photos, it just seems like it's a track built in a wasteland by bulldozers. Yeah, I've been there. Which is, am I right? Mm, it's just a lot of parking lots from what, that was what struck me. Because we went when it was a Skip Barber racing school. Yeah. So there were, wasn't that many people out there. And you, I do like the tower they have. You climb up the tower and you can see everything. Oh, well, that's great. <laughs> it's not yeah it doesn't have the romanticism of road america right so it's all natural elevation which i really like and there's a ton of changes anyway so the cars would they come through canada corner they go up there under load and every time lee would bring that uh that rs up there that club sport i would go oh he's on a cool down lap oh he's on a cool down lap because it is but he wasn't but it's so quiet oh it really? just doesn't sound angry huh because it's the turbos right i it's suppose it's just it's very, very quiet. So I'd be, oh, well, that's it. He's done it. It's just unmenacing. Hmm. He just didn't get this emotional, visceral feel to it. It weighs, I mean, it weighs 200 pounds less than the stock one, but. Oh, th th another thing this thing has. What? Catalytic converters. Okay. Wait, why? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's so, not a street car. It's not street legal. So we did a, so I did a photo shoot with the cars, obviously, in the morning, and then we went out on track and did them. And I had a, I was hanging out the window of one of the, which was basically the camera car, which was some Nissan. I don't even know what it is. And I'm Shit. shooting the rear of the car, the rear of the club sport. And we're going around the last turn. Yeah. Last turn onto the front straight. And it's it's a right-hand turn, and I'm le leaning out of the right-hand window. Okay. And I'm leaning way out. Uh-oh. I'm way out because I'm, I'm trying to get the camera low How as possible. How fast were you going? I have no idea. But here's okay. the thing is that cup car had to go at least 50 because it doesn't have any radiator fans or anything like that. So it's got to keep moving. Oh, sure. So they're just basically <laughs> sawing at the wheels super easy with one hand. We're in this Nissan SUV just like <laughs> pounding it. Just, it's <laughs> dipping a tire every once in a while. <laughs> it's just this thing is just out of control. Anyway, so we're going around this last left-hand turn. I'm leaning way out. Got the camera way low. And I start to like, my the G-forces are just fucking with me. And I can't, I can't lift myself up. Out. Okay. And I finally I just go, Ugh, and I just sit up, and my ribs pop. Ooh. It was like an audible pop for my ribs. <laughs> and I have I have not been able to sleep since. And when I poke Ooh. at my when I poke my ribs, there's like this grating, like pokey feeling. That's probably not good. No, it's probably not good. You should good. have done your stretching before your photography. So Apparently, I, that's one of the things you have to add to your list of uh, how to take a good photo. Stretch yeah, beforehand. So I don't know if I broke. A rib or pop some cartilage off or what but it is it has been absolute misery Oof. ever since can't breathe can't take deep breaths can't sleep it's I, been rough i uh popped ribs out of my sternum in high school wrestling 
That's prob that's probably what I did. Yeah. So how did that feel? But that's up here. Yeah. This was way this is my lower revs. Okay. Not great. It's, yeah. It's no, not, not a, great it's not at a all. good thing. So it's it's a cool car, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's all right. It's I'll write I'll write a great article about it doing the sure. comparison as you know kind of this deja vu flashback to the Velder thing that we did. But I'm just wondering what is everybody's obsession with shootouts? Because the it this is this versus that. This versus that and that versus I mean it's it almost. What would you rather have done if you could structure the story? I probably would have done more of a, you know, here's the thing is the really good stories you can only do once. So I would do it as a history of the GT2 RS story. Mm. And I would talk about some of the other GT2 RSs and how this one compares to that. And comparing it to a GT3 Cup is kind of like, Okay, well, they're not really the same thing. Right. They don't really have the same purpose. They're both 911 race cars. And that's yeah. It. So it, I don't really, you know. Interesting. I'm not really sure what to, what to make of it. What to make of All it. Right. But we'll, we'll see. On how that it goes. note, uh, I, as we mentioned, went on a motorcycle adventure with my wife. So I have the new Harley Sportster, and she just got her uh, 2020 Ducati <laughs> Scrambler. It's from the future, Chris. Nice. Okay. okay, so we had planned over... Did uh, she buy that at the same time that she bought the Bose sunglass headphones? Uh, Yeah, <laughs> around there. He, Jake came into the studio the other day. Yeah. And he's wearing these sunglasses that look stupid. Yeah. And I'm like, what is with these sunglasses? He's like, they're headphones. Yeah. They are actually wireless headphones built into sunglasses. They're pretty sweet. That sound terrible no. and look dumb. No, they're Bose. Bose quality, Chris. If it's got no highs, it's got no lows, it must be Bose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. Anyways, yeah, I was wearing them in my helmet the whole time, though, so that was cool. No, so we were planning on a road trip uh, over the long weekend. We're going to go all the way up to Grand Marais. So the plan was take all back roads. Friday afternoon, we were leaving and a stay at my parents' cabin in the middle of Wisconsin on Friday night, and then from there, I plotted out, you know, I moved the little Google guy we always talk about on Google Maps to, like, yep. plan out and get all this cool routes, and I was going to go back roads up Wisconsin into Superior and Duluth, and we're going to hang out in Duluth and then keep going up to Grand Ray. Well, so first night was great. We got up to my parents' cabin, and then we had breakfast. We left, and all these back roads, I have it plotted into, a, like, an app where you can download a, a route and put it in. And so we're getting there, and I knew there was a couple dirt roads. I was like, that's going to be fun. That's cool. That's fine. Okay? <laughs> and so a couple dirt roads, cool. That was great. And then goes back to the asphalt. What kind of tires does she have on hers? They are street tires, but they're made to be a little bit more dual sport. Than yours. Yours are absolutely. Mine are just street tires. Correct. Yeah, it's okay. hardly. Uh, so, but it's, it's fine on, you know, gravel roads. That's fine. But then we get to a part where it's this, uh, what is it? Some Wisconsin forest park, basically. Okay. And I knew it was dirt roads, but I wanted to go through it. What I didn't realize is these were not gravel dirt roads. Were they sandy dirt they roads? They were sand trails. Oh, no. And it kept getting worse. So we got in about two miles into this park, and it got to the point where she had to, like... It, it's so soupy that you can't control your front tire. Right. So she like low speed just kind of like fell over on the bike. And she's yeah. like, oh. And then it happened again. And she's like, I'm done. I'm done. She like, she's like, I, I can't do this anymore. Well, what the hell? You you have to. I was like, um, she's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking walk. I'm done. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Mm <laughs> and I'm trying to look at my map and there's no service. Like, all right, what did I do? How much further do we have to go? We had way further. Let's to be go. clear that picking the bike up over and over again 
oh, is, it's exhausting. is a total bitch. And it was more just like the mental like uh, struggle kind it of. Makes you, remember when we had, uh, oh boy, I can't remember his, I can't remember the name now off the top of my head. I'm bad. But he did his trip through, you know, Patagonia and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and he would talk about how he would go about 10 feet at a time. Yes. And the wind would blow his bike over. Yes. And he's got that big, big touring not a touring bike ex- exploring bike yeah adventure bike adventure bike with all the stuff all over it yes wow what yes. a just so it was getting to that point and i was like all right we whoa, have whoa, to whoa, whoa, we, whoa, it, whoa. It, it was the same it was the same Chris. <laughs> it was just as dire of a situation okay captain hyperbole Keep and going. so we're like all right we got to go back the way we came because it's that's the shorter route otherwise it's gonna be like 10 miles yeah we have no idea what lies ahead exactly so were you able, was it were you able to drive on like grass in the middle or anything or no it was just, just sand country so it was wow. like sand and then woods. Okay. And so she's like, all right, well, I'm going to walk. You can just kind of like leapfrog the bikes. So like take one, 100 feet, run back, get the other one. I was like, no, this is dumb. This is so dumb. Wait, right, she wanted you, she wanted you to ride a bike 100 feet and then get back, off and then ride and the go other. get the other one. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Know. So I was like, no. All right, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> You're going to hop on the back of the scrambler. I'll drive the scrambler out and just leave the Harley out in the middle of the forest. Okay, because so, nobody wants those anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally get out to like paved roads, not civilization, but paved you couldn't roads. talk her into just she just was we, th- we she did, was that done, and then she fell over again. And okay, she's like I'm done, okay. and I don't blame her. Yeah, like, she was a trooper. Yeah, um, and so we get out there, and now we're kind of like, all right, now what? We just rode two miles, and now my bike is two miles that way, and so we see this whole area is like four-wheeler off-road country. Like, that's what you want out there, these big side-by-sides and stuff. Yeah, stuff with four-wheels, not And so a whole crew of side-by-sides came up, and I was like, hey, guys. They're like, hey, how's it going? Cool bike. And I was like, so are you going in? They're like, yeah. I was like, would you mind dropping me off at my motorcycle two miles in? Oh, sure. Hey, you want a beer? (laughs) (laughs) Super nice people. So Nikki and I both had a beer, and then they drove me in, and they get to the bike. They go, wait this isn't a dirt bike. I was like, nope, nope, it's not. Never said it was. (laughs) So by the time we got back out to where we could like take another route, it was three hours that we had wasted in this like sandy national forest. I would not call that time wasted. It was an adventure. Good point. It was not time wasted. It was experience earned. So then you know what your story would have been otherwise? What? Hey, my wife and I took our bikes to Duluth and back. Right. Well, we were Which going to Grand Marais. Right. And so by the time we got up to Duluth, we're like, well, we stopped it for lunch like an hour from Duluth. And we're like, we're not going to make it to Grand Marais. We were exhausted. And so I like called around in Duluth and found one hotel room left. Jesus. Because everyone's on? going up north. And so I canceled the one up Graham Ray, stayed in Duluth. It was awesome. It was beautiful. And then we took just major highways back from there. <laughs> just done. Just done. So, so it do was you, fun. Do you regret your bike purchase? No, because the Harley is awesome on just like lonely highways. Like that's what it's made for. Mm-hmm. But that Scrambler is great on gravel roads. Was it pretty sweet? It was sweet. Did you get a chance to ride it yourself? Yes. Alone? Yeah. So we, we got to like this sand pit, like no, not sandpit, but it was one of those like county dumps where they also have like gravel fill and stuff you sure. can take. And so I took it around there and was jumping these big gravel piles and stuff. It was fun. That's awesome. That sounds like a good yeah. time. That sounds like my kind of bike. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Harley just was like you. You didn't drop it, did you? You? No, I didn't. Did, because it's so low too. That's one thing that's you just great put your about feet that. down. Yeah, I was able to just kind of like use my feet to balance. She goes off 
balanced once, she just has to hop off, basically. Exactly, because yeah. it's taller. It, it's, you know, it's built like a dirt bike. Right. So mm. that was the experience. It was fun. All right. Well, before we get into the uh, the Tikan stuff, what else do we have? Yeah, let's talk about Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your premier source for detailing compounds, pads, and polishes. With 15 years of experience, the engineers at Oberk have made a simple, holistic system that really takes the guesswork out of paint correction. And in addition, for the month of September here, we actually are going to be running a little contest with Oberk. Another contest. Yes. All right. So you guys are all set with contests. No kidding. Come on, guys. So they're going to be giving away their eight ounce ultimate kit, which is the Oberk cut and polish along with two of each buffing pad. So this will help you out with no matter the amount of swirls, defects, oxidation in your paint, you'll have the solution right there. So here's how we're going to do this. This is going to be a little different. On Instagram, we want to show you how much help your paint needs. Okay. All right. Okay. Does, does it count for me? Because someone clocked my Mercedes at some point in the last couple of days. On the front fender there. Yeah. I saw that. There's like blue paint on yeah, it. And, and like yellow. A big scuff. I'm I saw that. I was like, furious. I thought you had your bumper replaced, Chris. What so, is this? So now I get to use my over car care stuff to clean up. Am yes. I eligible for the contest? No, because you already got some. <laughs> <laughs> no. So here's what you're going to do. Follow both us on Instagram, over Chris Productions, as well as Oberk Car Care, and post a photo of your car that needs some paint help, whether it's you know bad, oxidized, or even if it is fairly glossy, but you still want to get your detailing compounds. Post up that photo and tag hashtag win Oberk. Okay. That's all you have to do. And then at the end of September, we're going to announce the winner and that lucky person will get some Oberk car care stuff to really get their paint back into shape. So we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about this on social too. So you can see the hashtag yes. and stuff like that. Yep. Otherwise, if you just want to check out Oberk car care, it's oberkcarcare.com and you can get uh 15% off any order using the code Overcrest. So you watched, I was sleeping. No, I was driving my kid to kindergarten, first day of kindergarten. So what was the the release like? What was yes. the, the, the so, Tacon? What was? Yes. So the Tacon release was 8 a.m. And it was streamed from China, Toronto, and somewhere else. Yeah, but you're neglecting to, to say. Stuttgart. Yeah, but it's not the places. It was a wind farm, yeah. solar farm, and hydro dam. Correct. That was what That's was kind of cool because it. it's so all about renewable energy and yeah, yeah, yeah. harnessing, you know, the power of electricity. Right. And so the whole thing at first seemed like some like cyberpunk trailer for a movie, like all the like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so finally they get on, and there was it was pretty well produced. There was a couple glitches with audio, which is yeah. I guess whatever to be expected. I hear that uh, Mr. Zelmer said that Porsches will always have a steering wheel. I'm trying to remember if I heard that. And I have to think mm -hmm. that when I gave him my steering wheel from my car, <laughs> from my that's car. what did it? That's what, from, I gave him my Jackie X steering wheel and said, please have this signed by Mr. Yep. X. This is my steering wheel that's taking me 6,000 miles round trip. He was really interested in my story, yeah. where I was been, where I was going. He walked around with my steering wheel in his hand and he said, you know what? Porsches are always going to have a steering wheel while looking at my steering wheel. So you guys have me to thank. <laughs> okay. No? Sure. Yeah, let's go. Can we just sure. go with that? Sure. Okay. We'll go with that. So, no, I uh, I thought it was a, a cool little intro. It was pretty short. But, you know, who would be able to tell us more about this? Who's that? 
Should we call up Mr. Fetter? Let's call up Mr. Fetter. All right, let's call him up. Oh, why, hello there. Welcome back to America, Mr. Fetter. Are you on the? Uh, are you? Are you still in Canada on the other side of the border? I still need us on the border. I'm kind of hoping they're going to let me come through, but I did get through customs on this side. So as long I'm at fifty percent of the way there, you're fifty percent. You're halfway back. That's that's. I'm great. halfway home. Get so, it? Halfway home. <laughs> so where are you right now? What are you doing? I am currently in the Toledo airport. So we will maybe get to be graced with a uh, announcements for final boarding call somewhere. And I am sitting here uh, waiting to hopefully come back to the United States. And you and you just were at the uh, the Porsche Taycan reveal, correct? I saw I I, I saw the Taycan. You I saw it with your very own eyes. Taycan. It's real. I, I saw I saw I saw the light. You seen and it? Electrified. I've been I've been my soul has been electrified. You know what's really cool about it is? Did you notice that it looks just like the concept? It, like it doesn't really. I did, you know what? I with my eyes, I did actually notice that. Yeah, it's crazy because usually you get a concept car and then you see the real thing and you're always like, oh. Well, it doesn't look well, like that. What's even cooler is on the Turbo S, those wheels that with the, with the car that we saw today with the white with the white paint. Those wheels, that's a that's a Turbo S, and those wheels have the white insert, just like the Mission E concept, and they are actually called the Mission E wheels. Whereas the Turbo has what's called Aero wheels, so these are called the Mission E wheels, and they look like the wheels on the Mission E concept. Really cool. Right. So I want to yeah. um, I want to get right to the point, which is the, is the comparison that everybody's making. And Let's here's talk a, about all the things. Yeah. So here's a really bad take by by another journalist. "Quote: The new luxury sports sedan is more expensive and has less range than the Model S, but the gap is closing." Now, here's the thing. Bad take. It's a bad take because it doesn't matter. It's. I feel like nope. if you're around 300 miles, you're fine, and if you're in the luxury market anyway. Uh, I think one of these is going to be cheaper too. Isn't one going to be like a hundred grand? They're like a hundred and fifty. So this one, no, 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 the turbo is one fifty. The turbo S is about one eighty. Are they going to have a non-turbo one or one that doesn't have a turbo so sticker on it? They've already said yes that this year, yes, they will. Because so first deliveries are going to happen in the U.S. worldwide, and they will start deliveries by the end of December. They've already announced that later this year they will unveil less powerful models, which will be, of course, less expensive models, um, I would be willing to bet, based on the hierarchy of naming that they chose to do with this, they're following the normal model, right? So we'll have a Taycan, a Taycan S, a Taycan 4, a Taycan 4, a GTS Jet Taycan. And right. now we, of course, have a Turbo and a Turbo S. The well, we all know is, that the Turbo and the Turbo S is kind of, well, it's not top line because you obviously have like the GT2s, GT3s, et cetera. Right. But a Turbo, it's a 911, line, non-GT. yeah, a 911 Turbo S costs $190,000. These, it starts at 187. Yeah, so you're right in there. You know, the pricing, yep. the, Porsche never screws up with their pricing or the way that they have the structure of the brand set up. So you have to imagine that the the regular dude version of this car is going to be like 100. Probably like 100 grand. Yeah, 109. I was going to say 100, 109, which is right in the ballpark of a Tesla Model S, right? Uh, so Tesla Model S starts about some, uh, Tesla no longer qualifies for the full federal tax rate, uh, credit because they sold many cars. So the Porsche has not sold any electric cars. So they will be able to, buyers of the Taycan will be eligible for up to $7,500 federal tax credit for a long time. And you get to understand how those federal tax credits work, which I'm sure you do because you're a smart boy. But the reality is, is that, um, anyone that's buying these cars, when you're spending 200 grand on a Taycan, you have a lot of money. Which right. means you 
probably owe a lot of money in taxes, which means you're going to be able to fully take advantage of the $7,500 tax credit, which the ironic part of that, of course, is if you're buying a cheap electric car, like a used Nissan Leaf, or no, it actually doesn't work on used cars, sorry. So let's say you're buying a Nissan Leaf for thirty grand, and or maybe a Bolt EV, right? The issue is, is that maybe you don't have as much money, you don't owe as much on taxes, you don't, even if you were eligible for the whole $7,500 tax credit, you're not going to owe maybe $7,500 in taxes, right? So right. like, you're rewarding the, the the system that's in place kind of rewards the rich that owe a lot of taxes. Really? Well, <laughs> why would you give a tax credit to somebody that's not paying any taxes, though? <laughs> I, you know what I mean? But but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, like, I, like, I get what you're saying. Anyway, it's, it's luck. It's, I mean, so, so sure, I I'm, think obviously that's we know journalist. we know that, and I've talked about it before that the rich are being the ones that are being rewarded for buying these cars. That's that's no. Well, the rich live in a different world, but and I don't live in that world. Uh, but to go back to your earlier question about the journalists that had that hot take, which is a bad hot take, and it's just awful. Um, you bring up an interesting point about range. So they have not announced range. They've announced uh, estimates for WLTP, which is the European range, which we've discussed on this podcast before, and that does not match our standards. So it's different standards, so they won't be matched. So, But we're on our editorial team estimating based on WLTP and what we know about the battery pack, probably about 240-ish, maybe 243 in EPA range rating. And that is significantly less than the 305, 310, depending on the model and the configuration of a Model S. The reality is, is that Autolist, my friend Dave Underkoffler that just did, it works at Autolist, they just did a study, uh, a survey. And it asked people, basically, what are your most important things when you're buying a Taycan or a Model S or an electric car? And range was basically dead last or the second to last. I don't remember which, but it was, it was not a, a factor because the reality is that fast charging, daily driving, don't need 300 miles, right? Almost taking a road trip. And if you're buying a Model S, that's an expensive car. So it's kind of a status symbol. It's like buying a 7 Series, right? Or, or frankly, a 911. Like, nobody needs a 911. Nobody needs a 7 Series, right? So you're buying a Taycan or a Model S because you don't want to buy a Model 3. You, you want to show that you spent more money. So or you just want reality, a better car. But there's the Model 3 and Model S, I'm not sure that one. You can just say one's a better car. They're different. I'm not sure one's actually a better one. There's Come something on, the Tesla at this at. point seems like a science project, at a, like a high school science fair project in comparison. When you look at the two cars, no, compared to what I mean, I mean, I t- what I touched today probably wasn't a pre-production model. It had better build quality than any Tesla I've ever been in. Um, but uh, <laughs> but the reality is that the range isn't going to be an issue because this is a new it car. This is a new hotness, right? Right. So I, I have an idea of who that journalist was. Not that's relevant, and it's interesting to me because they do a lot of luxury and performance and flashy cars uh, that are that are hot with. The in crowd, right? The it crowd, they have a lot of money. Yep. And so it's ironic to me because this is absolutely the new it car. This will be the new it car. Everyone has a Model 3 and Model F going to trade this in. If they're, if they're in the Silicon Valley, they're going to have to have one of these, right? Like, this is it. And, and, and there will be another it car, right? This is this is it today. It's like the Tesla was Yeah, but yesterday. there's never going to be a contrast like there is now between this car and the Tesla because that is Correct. the comparison. So this, the contrast and the breadth and the the how far apart these cars are from each other nothing else is going to be like it is right now because this car is the interior is way better the everything that's inside the car is way better the performance is arguably better i mean obviously we're talking 2.6 seconds the zero to 60 party trick is 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 not as impressive but everything else everything's repeatable it's repeatable it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. Everything's fast, right? So um, they yep. took they, they took this car to the Nurburgring, right? Didn't they? And do like yep. a 
Porsche yep. the 742. It's like a 742. Silly. That's right. The fastest I could find anybody doing it in a Tesla is eight minutes and 50 seconds. Well, the problem with a Tesla is that I can't make it around Nürburgring without going to Lipsburg. Correct. The battery it's not here. a sports car. Correct. It's barely. It's not. I wouldn't even say it's a sports sedan. I wouldn't even give no. it. I wouldn't even give it that. Uh, the Model Three performance is a sports sedan, but a Model S is not. Right. Anyway, so it's it's this huge breadth of difference between these two cars, and that's never going to exist again, no matter what uh, Honda or Infiniti or Lexus or BMW, whatever anybody else comes out with. It's still going to be kind of good build quality. It's going to be a nice car. It's not going to be as different as this is because this is like a huge step away from what we all had as the benchmark was Tesla till today. And this is the new benchmark and nothing else will be leapfrogging as far as this did. I mean, this is, I mean, 800 volt architecture. Look, this is a complicated car. And, 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 you know, my, one of my original leads to the story got modified a billion times, but I mean, really, here's the thing. Normal cars that you buy today have a 12 volt system. That's what they run on, right? Yep. And a complicated normal car you buy today from like maybe Mercedes, Audi, or BMW have a, tw- a 12 volt and then they have a 48 volt system and maybe that runs the, the hydraulics for the suspension or it runs the accessory or it runs the, the, the fact that it doesn't have an alternator or whatever, right? But it's a mild hybrid. And then you've got electric cars and they actually run on a 12 volt or a 400 or both system, right? Because they can only charge so fast. Right. This car, our J1 platform, which is the new platform, it has a 12 volt, 48 volt. 400 volts in 800 volts. It has four separate electrical systems in this freaking car. It is so complex that only a German company, of course, Porsche, but only a German company would ever come out with such a thing. Right. Well, it is $180,000, $190,000. I know, but like some electric cars are supposed to be simple, right? Like it's a bunch of wiring and lines of code and then it's an electric motor and, 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 and a battery pack, right? This right. got two speed transmission in the rear. It won't speed in the front, different size electric motors, which of course Tesla does have, but the two-speed transmission adds a whole other level of complexity to this. The battery cells, like a Tesla battery pack, is uh, flat, right? It's like a it's like a like a candy bar, it's flat. This, what they did was the car sits so low, and you sit so low in the car that they did what they created what's called foot garages, and I can't make this stuff up. Wait, what? And the Say foot that again. Gar- they, foot. Garages, G A R E G S. They're called just, foot garages. Just clarifying that something is I called know. a foot garage. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And and so the foot garages, they took the battery pack, which sits in the floor, and like a candy bar, okay. and they removed cells from the rear seat footwells so that the footwells were deep enough for you to put your feet in. So they sunk them in. So those are the foot garages, and the battery packs were moved around. Them so that there's what was wrong with the term opening. footwell? Is foot garages just there? Must be some German translation that makes sense. You don't but... ask questions, you silly American. This is German, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna call it foot garages yeah. for the rest of it my has, life. Well, that no, that's the term they they told us. It's called a foot garage. It's it's this is their term, not mine. Oh, I believe and, you. <laughs> uh, it's got active arrow, of course. Right, it's got air curtains through the front bumper that direct air into the wheel wells. It's got an active wrist spoiler. Um, what's really cool is the charging port. It's got two charging ports, one on each side of the front fender, and they're activated uh, by 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 putting your finger in front of it and lifting up, and it, it opens and it, it slides up into the fender. That'll never and break. And apparently, I know it'll never break. And well, and, and of course, you want to run ice, right? Oh, they thought about that, Chris. They got they got covered in, up here in Minnesota because what happens is if it if the text is cold and has ice and there's resistance, it will double down on the gearing to jiggle it and then and then slam it up. 
<laughs> you know, it could break the ice. <laughs> and what, is, what happens if your battery's dead? I think you have bigger problems. Yeah. Well, I imagine it takes very little voltage to run the tiny little door to charge the car. Correct. Yeah. But uh, so on the passenger side is the fast charge. And then the, the left side is the level two charger. So you can charge from home or like a normal level two at like a grocery store or whatever. And then the right side is fast charger where uh, all of the Porsche dealerships will have 800 volt fast chargers installed with them. You can use them for free for three years. We'll have Tri-America for three years for free. And uh, you can take it from 5 to 80% charge in about 20 minutes. I think it hasn't Porsche. Uh, wait, 80% in 22 minutes, 20 minutes. 80% in 22 minutes. But you can get 100 uh, kilometers, which is what, like 50 miles in like 5 to 8 minutes. So here's the question. Is everybody just going to be piling around the Porsche dealership to charge their cars? I mean, maybe, but here's the reality, right? So most people will, won't use the Porsche dealership. That's like a road trip situation, right? Because you're right. going to plug in at night, you drive to work, you come home, you plug it back in. So really, that's a road trip situation. Um, or, or, or like you, you know, you had a lot of, how are you going to drive? Even if it's 240 miles, dude. Driving 240 miles in one shot, if you're not doing a road trip, that's a lot of miles. So what did you think um, of all the screens that are in this thing? I mean, TBD. I mean, I sat in there and I touched them, but but I didn't. They kept use them like while driving. Right. Um, it seems I like it's, it's almost guaranteed to make people crash as they try to find out like where I the air conditioning yes seat no. menu is, and then well, I can't find well, so it. I, I I I had the two the three screens set up in the A8, right? And one was the gauge cluster, one was the infotainment, and one was the climate control. And it had had the feedback and all that. And it was pretty simple to use, and once you know where everything is, it's not that hard. At first, it was overwhelming hell. Um, this one, what's really interesting is that the front passenger gets a screen of its own. They can control the climate. They can control the infotainment. They can control stuff, right? And so what's cool about that is you have a passenger. They control a bunch of stuff while you're driving. You don't need to do that, right? And I think that this is a first in any production car. And I think that's a really interesting thing that could become a a big trend. It's weird because remember the... The, like a BMW E36 or even your um, your M5 that you had, the whole oh, climate control radio, M5. everything is tilted towards the driver. Everything. When you yep. sit in the passenger yep. seat of an E36 M3 or 325i, you're like, um, am I even supposed to be here? Because everything is tilted away from you. This is like a completely right. different thing. This is basically, I mean, a shared experience. And each rear seat can have a screen. So you can have up to five screens in the car. This is this too much. It's too much. There's too much going. Well, let's let's accept the fact for a second that this car is an experiment, right? This is what we can do. This isn't what we have well, to do. Well, so yes and no. Here's the thing, man. Last night, uh, uh, Klaus, uh, who's the North American CEO, and I know you know him. He held your steering wheel. Um, he, he was the one who gave the keynote, welcoming us all here, talking about the past, the present, the future. And one of the things that was really made evident was we went back in history, right? And the 917. Basically, they told us, look, 50 people worked on this project, and we set out to go and beat Ford and Ferrari at Le Mans. And basically, we put every dime in the company into it. And if we lost the race, which they didn't, uh, if we lost the race, we were going to go bankrupt. There would be no more Porsche. And then they talked about how when they were developing one of the generations of 911 uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, they were basically bankrupt. And if they didn't sell and didn't succeed, they were going to go bankrupt. And he basically said, he didn't say, look, this is we're going to go bankrupt. But he basically said our future is electric and we're betting on that. So, like, 
because the next Macan is all electric, right? And they've already announced the Cross Turismo. Like this is not the first. This is the first, but not the only electric car. Right. They're betting the company on this. So I don't think that if it fails, because this is going to be a loss leader, right? This is number one. They're only going to make like thirty thousand a year. Right. And, well, they, that, that's, and that's because they've, they've already had to increase production because of demand. Like they're, they're doing 30000 a year because they've increased production. Well, so, Volkswagen has spent $33 billion on this. Well, hang and on. The, not, on just, not on just this. Not like they, this well, this car, I guess, it's like $6 billion. Yeah, they, they've, got all these electric, they've got all these electric cars, all these electric platforms. The only two cars. So they've got MEB, uh, which is their, their scalable architecture for battery electric vehicles. That's going to power like the next generation electric golf, the electric ID one, two, three, it's gonna power the microbus and all that stuff, right? This is not that platform. This is day one. It's Porsche developed, and the only other car that will ever ride on this platform will be the Audi e Tron GT. Which will have similar proportions to the Tycon. Um, and that's the only other car that's gonna this platform. It was developed before basically Volkswagen went all in on electric cars. Well, so, we'll have to see where things go. I mean, in, in five years, they want half their cars to be have a plug in them, right? Yeah. So, they, they, yeah, Klaus Sassel last night said that in 2025, 50% of Porsche sales will have a plug. He said that that'll be a mix of plug-in uh, hybrids and electric, battery electric vehicles. And one of the reasons but, they can say this is because they're going to have the, the what's, what's it called? The Macan is going to be electric, and they sell a zillion of those. So, I yep, mean, that, the that's... The Macan will be electric. Next generation uh, uh, Cayenne, I bet you, will be mostly uh, plug-in hybrid variants. So what's the next big car to come out? What's coming next? What is the next big release of a car that's kind of like this? Who is coming out with the next big electric car? Um, I'm not sure it's a who. I think it's, a, I think it's, I think it's more about what's next in terms of um, development. So I think that the, uh, everyone's eyes are on... Um, Rivian, and I think a lot of eyes are on Ford. They'll have a battery electric F one hundred and fifty by twenty twenty two, and they are launching, uh, I believe, later this year. the The word on the street is later this year. They only ever show those as you the Mustang inspired battery electric crossover SUV. Yeah, um, that's all. Like, that's all a couple of years away. Volkswagen has stuff. No, that this, they're, this they're, is L A. This is L A. Well, I, I mean, like getting the car into people's hands. Isn't Volkswagen going to have stuff in people's hands in twenty twenty? Um, like the, the little crossover well, hideous thing that they have, the little id whatever. So the the, the ID three and the, the lifted the hatchback that's zero only. But there's a that's crossover version of that. There is a crossover called the Cross, and supposedly that's coming next year. But I actually am not sure that'll arrive before the Mustang inspired crossover SUV. Okay. Okay. In U.S. hands. Right. Well, 2021 will be exciting because that's when the bus comes. Because what I'm really waiting for is as cool as this Taycan is, is I'm waiting for the $25,000 car. That's not. You're going to be waiting a little while. I know, but that's that's the one that I think really actually matters. You know, this one's. Well, cool. here's the thing. You can go pick up a Leaf pretty cheap. Right, but it drives like but four miles. Then you have a Leaf. You know, it's, uh, it's... New one is about 150 yeah, but I don't want to drive a Nissan Leaf. I don't want That's, to drive it. I would love. I would drive a Volkswagen. You know, if there was like uh, the a E Golf is great. The problem is, just doesn't have a lot of range. Yeah, it's a hundred miles tops. Right, right. And what, you know what's kind of neat is the you've got the range extender i three, and then you've got the 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 E Golf. Are the values of those going to go way down over the next couple of years, where you'll be able to get yourself? Oh into yeah, one of those. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And the i three is actually about to be dead. 
golf e-golf will be dead because of the fact that they're going to move to the ID3, the cross, et cetera, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the problem is, so an I3 range extender, I love the I3. I think it drives great. I think the, the look works for me personally. I can understand why a lot of people don't like it. It's very controversial. Um, but the Rex, which is the range extender, uh, it doesn't have a lot of power. It really, really is meant to like limp you home. And I had one in Portland, Oregon, when we lived there. And we went down into the city, which is, I'm sure you've been in Portland, down in the valley, right? So we went up in Beaverton, out to the, into the city, which go down the valley. And when we were coming home, I was using the Rex because I had killed my battery. And we were climbing back out of that valley. And it's not a steep climb, man. Uh, out to, to, to the suburbs, the Rex, we started losing power. Like, we started, like, my speed started declining. And my wife got a little nervous. Right. Uh, and and, and it's, not, it's a common thing. Like, that Rex is not a powerful thing. I mean, it's it's small little itty bitty motorcycle engine. Right. So, is it something where you can be like, "Oh, I'm getting a little low," and then run it before the battery's dead, or does it? Nope. Okay. That's interesting. Anyway, I mean, look, so... I, I think the Taycan, I think the Taycan at a hundred grand poses a huge issue for Porsche uh, for Tesla long term. I think that the Macan electric will pose a huge problem for Tesla. I think Rivian and Volkswagen and all these automakers actually know how to build a car. And I mean, like door trim lining and door closing properly. That's part of the problem for Tesla. But Here's those the, are all does like, Tesla. Well, but the, hang on, that's all. Do like, they survive? That's all. Like, hang on, that's all a year or two from now. Right. Tesla's big problem today is that it doesn't matter if Tycon's two hundred grand because all their early adopters can afford a two hundred thousand dollar car, and that's a new a car. Right. That's Tesla's problem today. Is they're no longer the it thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they launch one in the space or it has rocket boosters or anything like that. It's, it's just... not the it car anymore. Tycon just took all this under. It's it's the it thing, and all the celebrities are going to want one. So does Tesla survive the next five years? I think that... As, well, I don't a, think as a Tesla manufacturer. Dies. Okay, that's a good, good revision to your question, because yeah. I was going to say, I don't think it dies. Uh, as a manufacturer, um, you know, a lot of times, it's been really easy to say they're not going to make it the next six months. And it's something you can basically see almost every other day, Chris. Yeah, and then somehow here they are. It, I'm hard, I'm hard-pressed to bet against Mr. Elon Musk. He is a far smarter man than I am. And he's quite resourceful picking uh, things out of a hat. And i got to tell you, uh, we can talk about it later, but he, he's a smart guy. And um, I wouldn't bet against him, but they got some hard things going, and they need to figure some stuff out. But sure. I would not bet against them. All right, man. Well, you enjoy your flight. Hey, I, I appreciate you calling in. We'll uh, we'll let you go course, and let you, let you do your thing. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you All in the right, studio in a back few in weeks. America. Yeah. All right. We'll be back soon. All right. Talk take care later. of yourself. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was great. Mr. Fetter is always a treat to have on the phone. Yes, he certainly um, is. So there's a few things that I found out on the take on as well that are kind of interesting. Okay. Um, when you set it in range mode... And or you're running it on a really light load, uh-huh. it's basically front wheel drive. It decouples the rear motor. Interesting. So it's a front wheel drive. Now car. I wanted to ask him: Is this the first electric vehicle that has that two speed gearbox going on? Because it the rear engine or motor, I guess, has a two speed. So you have your right. lower speed for the acceleration, which is up to sixty five. It goes okay. the first gear is sixty five miles per hour. Sure, and then the second one is more for the economy. Uh, I guess. I yeah, say. that it doesn't do the first gear if you're in range mode or economy yep. mode. It just uses that second. Yeah, gear the I was whole just time. curious if any other electric car right now uses I a gearbox. Do not like know. That. I meant to look that up, but I couldn't really find much. Anyways, so there's also a sport sound button. Mm. <laughs> you can check okay. an option box, and you can get the Porsche Electric Sport 
sound, mm. which uses the audio speakers to play a well-coordinated sound supplement that takes everything down an octave or two to a low-pitched sound that still sounds kind of electric. I mean, you knew they were going to have to do something like this. I just, it's so dumb. It's heartbreaking. It really is. It's heartbreaking because I'm just. I know. It sucks. It's just not. It does. I, I don't feel it. Yeah. I don't feel it. I don't feel no, it. No, because it's, it's literally no, don't synthetic. It's so the, fake. The first thing I thought when I saw the pictures of the real car. Yeah. I said, wow, that actually looks like the prototype did. Yes, for sure. That is the one thing I said. It's the first time in history I've ever looked at a production car and said, wow, it looks just, just like, like I mean, yeah, it looks like concept. it had a little bit of weight reduction. You know, it looks smaller and a little, <laughs> it doesn't look as wide. Right. The, it, yeah, the concept looked really wide. But otherwise, you're right. It is like a spitting image the of the concept car. Which is cool. And I think it is a handsome car. I like the way it looks. I like the way the, way the rear looks. I don't really have any problems with the way that the car looks. I don't like the two-tone wheels. It's a little weird. Did you? Those notice? only came on the Turbo S. Did you see that there's like a turbo fan in the wheel? Yeah, I did see that. So does that pull air into the electric motor to cool it, do you think? No, it's the brake calipers. You think just the brake calipers? Yeah. Nah. Why Rotors, I guess it'd be. It just doesn't seem... I've never seen a, a production car with turbo fans like that on a car, which makes me think that there's more to it than just brake cooling. I think turbo fans are just really hot in the aftermarket so they're like yeah let's do that let's just throw some t- well yeah. you can't see them they're black yeah they're I not obvious or anything like that so i thought maybe they had some sort of extraneous purpose other than brakes because there's other ways to cool brakes brake ducting the wheels right. can be engineered to pull air into the brakes right but i'd never seen in any it's not a 911 cayman boxer m3 ferrari nothing nobody has turbo fans but all of a sudden this porsche with that's all electric has turbo fans why they're, i just yeah, feel like question. there must be more to it than just brakes yeah, I don't. I don't love the design. There's a lot of the language that comes over from the 911, like the full with you know tail light. Yep. That was from the uh, the old like Carrera Force, you know, back in the day from the 993. Yep. And before that, and uh, the the quad LED headlights coming over from. I mean, that's more a Porsche brand signature as well. But right. I don't like how they're diluting some of the 911 brand language, and I just, eh, I don't. It didn't do much for me. What do you think of the uh, the turbo language? It, we've talked about this before. It, it's just so dumb. It doesn't. Here's the thing. It doesn't bother me that they put it on this car because, whatever. Like we've talked about before, turbo was everywhere. It was on back in the 80s. It yeah. was on toothbrushes for Christ's sake. I right. mean, it was on everything. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to butter you up for when the 911 is all electric later, and then they can call that a turbo. You think so? That's what it is because obviously they're going to do it. If they're doing it with this, they're well, going to do it with that. So they're going to, they'll be, it'll be an all electric 911 that's going to have turbo, turbo S. If they wouldn't do this and then all of a sudden, like over the course of a year, they switched to electric stuff and then the electric ones had turbos, the, the, the 911 is going to have turbo and turbo S stuff as well. Yeah. Right. So let me try and regain my train of thought. We had a, we had a visitor come in and interrupt my train of thought. What I'm saying is that if the, if the, if the 911 was a gas car, mm-hmm. and obviously I don't think anything's going to be hybrid anymore. I don't. Think you don't, huh? Volkswagen and I know we're going to get into the news later, but Volkswagen and GM both said, or Chrysler, maybe it was Chrysler. I don't know. Said nope, no hybrids. So I can't. Um, other than the existing hybrid technology that's already there, I highly doubt you're going to see new hybrid technology. Why would they? If they're not doing hybrids anymore, why would they do a hybrid 911? I just don't. 
I don't know if they're going to do it. Why? In, by, I thought they built the 992-911 architecture to be used as a hybrid. So they might already have that slated. They may. They may. But either way, what this is meant to do yeah. is placate people <laughs> freaking out when the 911 switches to hybrid or electric and they put a turbo on it. I, I don't it, think it's... It's, it's already kind of cushioning the blow. I don't think there's that much to it. I think they're just like, hey, what do we call the top line models? Oh, we call them turbos. We no always way. have. No way. Yep, there's that's what no was... chance. There's no chance it's that simple. The, this is Porsche we're talking about here. True. There is... Six billion dollars went into developing this car, and the other and all of the, and the the Mission E program. Yeah, six. Nobody went. Oh yeah, let's just call it Turbo. No, it, when you spend six billion dollars on something, and Volkswagen spent thirty three billion dollars overall on all this stuff, nobody's just like, yeah, let's just put that name on it. That sounds good. It's our top of the line one. Well, they could have paid us just like a couple million, and we could have come up with a better naming structure. So for free, yeah. You can have the badge deleted off the back of the I car. Do like it's that. a zero dollar option. Yep. You can have the badge. And guess what? Guess what color it comes in? I did see their color chart. It's it, like a magenta pink. It, no, it's pink. It is <laughs> it is Pamela Anderson lipstick pink. Yeah. Like metallic pink. Maybe Kay will start giving away these take ons instead of their like. You mean pink Mary Kay? Mary yeah. Kay? What did I say? Kay. Kay. I'm yeah, like, yeah, who's Kay, you know, her. <laughs> um, so I really wanna uh, I want you guys to hear my interview with Pete on this topic. Um, it's really, really insightful, and uh, I think you will like it. Uh, here is the interview with Pete Stout from Triple Zero Magazine. Hey, Pete. How's it going, man? It's going well, Chris. Good to speak with you. Thanks for having me on the show. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's exciting. You know, it's an exciting time for Porsche. We have uh, the Taycan was released today, and the buzz is wild, but there's very few people that have actually been in one of these cars, and you have. That's right. I have. I had just a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, out on track at the PEC Atlanta uh, Porsche's Experience Center track there. I've been around that track a number of times in other cars and driven the track as well and went out with a uh, ex-cup car racer and development driver. Uh, actually waited specifically for that guy. There were four Taycans going around and that guy was the wildest, uh, but also clearly the best driver. And uh, I just wanted to get get a ride with that guy. And And, and how was it? it's something else. I mean, the first thing that everybody wants to know about is the noise. We're all, we all want to know that. And yeah. the noise, uh, I'm just going to say it's a seductive sound. It's a, it's a, it's a different sound. It's, it, it, I'm not getting rid of my carbureted 914.6 anytime soon. Um, but it's, uh, it's, or a GT3 for that. It's not those things. It's, it's a different sound. It's seductive and uh, my openness to it came some time ago when I had a 918 Spider on the far north coast of California, roads that you know uh, and have been on. And I actually, it's strange to say it, but all the times I drove the 918 on track and upon ramps and on short drives, uh, the top pipes in the V8 sounded great to me. But after a while, when you're doing a transit stage, it just started grating on us, both uh, myself and another test driver. And so we would go to e-power mode. And we only figured that out later that we were, when we compared notes, that we both preferred it. <laughs> and then on a small back road, he was in a Boxster Spider, a good driver, and I was in the 918. And it became kind of a challenge to try to go quickly down that road without using more than two-thirds throttle and kicking the V8 on. And that drive kind of opened my mind to what, an electric Porsche could be because suddenly you were hearing things like uh, wheel bearings and tire noise and uh, anti-roll bars, things that you have, haven't heard in an atmospheric car. 
Uh, and so I'd be kind of, it, and I had a great drive. It was a really, really good drive. And so while so many of our colleagues were saying, I'd really like to try the 918 without the hybrid gear, I felt just the opposite. I wanted to try it without the V8 because we've had a million mid-engined uh, supercars and, and sports cars, but we really had never had a hybrid. And it made me wonder, well, what would an all-electric Porsche be like and would I like it? And the jury's still out with the Taycan because I, I'm, I'm supposed to drive it in a couple of weeks, uh, so I haven't driven it yet. But let's talk about impressions from the, from the passenger seat for now. Sure. And the, the first one is the sound. Now, uh, I, always, this, I, was, I imagine because they have to have a sound, right? I mean, legally, they need to make some sort of sound. Yes. So I know BMW yes. hired Hans Zimmer to make the sound for their car, and <laughs> which is just crazy, right? But um, right. you have to imagine that Porsche spent a lot of time on just the sound of the car. And it showed. It showed on the test track because where the 918 had me thinking that we would listen to Annie Robars and Wheel Baron, I really didn't hear those things in the Taycan. And my guess is the difference is that when they developed the 918, they had the V8 screaming a lot of the time whenever they were really going at it. And in the Taycan, they didn't have that. So they must have really worked on getting rid of what they would have considered unwanted noises. And the Taycan, what you hear instead is more motor than I than I remember in the in the 918, and less of those other things. And it's definitely a whirring sound. It's definitely a electrical kind of sound, and it sounds honest to me. It doesn't sound fake. I don't want to go too much further because my time in the car was pretty limited. It was sure. you know a, a few minutes, not not hours. So I'd probably stop there. But I would say my first impression is. Okay, this is this thing does have a sound and it's seductive in its own way. If you want it to be a GT3, it will never be that. But neither is a GT2. This is something else. Right, it's just a different a different experiment, a different project. Now, the the thing that people are doing immediately, of course, is comparing it to the Model S. And even from looking at it from afar, I've never seen one in person, but it's still in comparison now it feels like Tesla, the Model S is a hypothesis and a theory, and the Taycan is like it's proof it's a scientific proof of something. It's like a completely different outcome. Well, it's it's you know it's an interesting point when the type when the when the Model S came out. I remember reading a design analysis that panned the Model S and praised the Fisker, saying that the Model S looked like a Buick and the Fisker looked like tomorrow. And whenever I see a Fisker now, they look like clown cars to me. And whenever I see a Model S. When they got rid of the grill, I wasn't so excited about it. But I have to say, as the Model S has aged really well visually as a design piece, but it has aged not as well when it comes to things like there's no door pockets and there's you know the the car building aspect of the Model S is less impressive, and that's where the Taycan's going to be not one or two steps ahead, but twelve or fifteen steps ahead. But the flip side is true. You know, Tesla deserves big credit. It's got a huge advantage over Porsche on battery range and particularly the charging infrastructure right those are areas where the Taycan uh porsche has a lot of work to do to catch up uh and that's well, not entirely the, you would consider the Taycan or Taycan a, a more of a sports car than a sports sedan it feels like almost so yeah, well and that's the mileage yeah, doesn't matter a, the 70 mile difference it's who cares it's like this it's like this dick measuring contest with range that just doesn't matter once you get into cars like this anymore if you're around 300 miles you're fine you would think right well so this is a discussion my wife and i've been having because with the last round of of daily for her 
the conversation began about a Tesla Model 3. And we've been more and more thinking that, you know, here in midlife, uh, with a daughter and, and uh, aging parents in a business, the reality is we, uh, you know, it's pretty rare when we drive more than 100 or even 20 miles in a day. So in that sense, yes, the range is irrelevant, uh, difference between Taycan and, and Tesla, you know, Model S. The difference would be there's a metric for us here in California where San Francisco to L.A. is a real metric, and there's going to be similar metrics like that for others. And that's where the Tesla has a big advantage over the Taycan. But the reality for us is, as we're doing the math, we're thinking maybe our next car is electric because if we have to go to L.A. and charging is in any way a pain, we'll just rent a car twice a year. We'll just rent a gasoline car those two times. Right. So, you know, these are areas where Porsche has to improve because there's others who will look at that and say, that 100-mile difference is enough. I'm going to get the Tesla. There's also the pricing point. I mean, these first yeah, that's prices. That's quite a bit more. So I would have loved to have been in the room for that those discussions. <laughs> My guess is one of the parameters was, did Porsche want to ratify Tesla as the premium brand in the segment, or did Porsche want to be the premium brand in the segment? I think that might have been a, a conversation point. I don't know that to be the case, but I'm, I'm postulating that was probably a discussion point or may have been a discussion point. What do you think of the discussion uh, point about the fact that the car is called a turbo? I mean, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, I don't like it. Uh, everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Uh, and mine is that I like truth in naming. And I guess you can argue that there's things like turbo tax and there's turbo has become <laughs> a, a synonym for fast. And so you can make that argument. Yeah. The eighties are full turbo everything. <laughs> yeah. You can get turbo I, I cologne think, even. Right. I, I feel I, I like honesty and naming. I love the era of BMW where if you saw a 325, it meant a three series with a 2.5 liter engine. Right. And BMW went away from that. And I'm not going to say that that was the death of their brand. There were some other critical errors along the way. But it was a point along the road where I thought, I don't like this dishonesty in naming. I, I prefer uh, an honesty to it. And so. I would have preferred to not see turbo or anything having to do with combustion engines going over to this new chapter. Right. It's maybe the one miscue for me, but the good news is if I were a buyer, I would just delete, I just do model designation, delete back there. Uh, and then if I ever had to refer to my own car, I just call it a, a tie car. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't bother having to make version. the point that I've got the top one. Yeah, exactly. Or, or just say, I don't know. I don't know which one I've got. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know which one I've got, but uh, it, it's it's exciting. My that run around the test track utterly blew my mind. It wasn't the acceleration that charmed me, really, as we went around. Because you knew that was coming. You knew it. Yeah, and it's it's we're getting to a point now with zero to sixty and well under three seconds, where even when you're ready for it as a passenger, it's kind of uncomfortable. Right. It's, it's just uh, that doesn't do much for me. Anybody can get behind the car, engage launch control, and hold the throttle down. There's no, there's no. It's a party trick. There's no skill involved. There's no, um, there's no risk. Well, there's risk, of course, with speed, but there's no. It's just not the way that you when you turn into a corner in an old 911 or a 356 or 914 or a GT3. That's on you, man. You know, it's, it's this. <laughs> it's you. It's how you bend your wrists in and how you 
harness the machine. When you engage a button for launch control, it's a party trick. It's a giggle, but is it rewarding? Right. So that part of the Taycan, frankly, didn't really impress me. And it, it is very fast. Uh, it was on the other portions of the track that the car shocked me. Yeah, fast is easy now. Everything's fast. Right. Right. So the way of speed is the thing. And perhaps the most impressive part of that demonstration came on the back half of the course, not the drifting, not the, not the kick panel. Those things were interesting for making points about the traction control systems and, and the quality of the driver. But the area that really impressed me is the back half of that track is super narrow, like a small road and it's low friction in some places. And we crested out of a, out of a corner into a rising trend, you know, a rising segment that went right, left, right, left. And it made a 914 feel like a VW bus in terms of transition. The transition, the transitory nature of the car, it's 5,100 pounds, which when I saw that, I cringed. Wow. Uh, And I thought, but maybe there's a hope with the sea of the the center of gravity. Right. And where I was impressed was in that little section, you know, fast, 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 right, left, right, left, and rising and over a hump. And I mean, a, a section of road that was built for a 914 or early 911, really a 914. And this thing cut through those four corners like nothing. And it and it felt great doing it. And it was exciting being in the car. It was thrilling in the way that it dissected that section. And that was an interaction between that driver and that car. And that's where those batteries all down low made a huge difference. Uh, the car, that together with Porsche's know-how on suspension and Porsche traction management, you know, all-wheel drive and traction control, these are the areas where the Taycan is going to shred the Tesla. Right. Well, it's the, the whole point of all of that is rewarding you for when you do something right. When you're on track and you hit something like that, or even if you're on a country road and you're like, that was perfect, and you get rewarded, that feeling is, is really tough to beat. And Porsche has been really excellent at that over the years. Yeah, and 5,100 pounds is a real problem in the Cayenne. I remember when those came out, uh, talking with Walter Rural, and, and he was complimenting the carpet, saying the one place you really feel that weight, they've done a good job, but the one place you really feel the weight in the first Cayenne and the second one and then the Panamera, he said the one place you feel it is in, is in the braking. And that remains to be seen when I drive the Taycan, but from the passenger seat, the car just did not feel like a 5,000-pound car. It felt more like a 3 or 3,500, 3,000, 3,500, maybe 4,000-pound sedan, except it had this preternatural connection to the road. And I think that had to do partly with the driver, of course, but the other part, in no small measure, was the, was the, the way that that center of gravity affects things. All the weight is super low in the, right. in the car. And so that has a huge impact in the way that it, it transitions in the corners and out of them as well. So it's the way it's rather shifting back and forth left to right than it is leaning over, you know, it's not leaning either way. It's just kind of transitioning. And it's entirely under you, you know, you are above the weight that's happening and what's happening below you. And then you add in Porsche's suspension and handling know-how. Right. So it's, 
it's interesting. I'll, I'll be curious to see how it feels under braking from the driver's seat. That's the other interesting technology with this car. They Porsche estimates that only 10% of braking in normal scenarios of this car in the day-to-day use will be handled by the actual brake rotors and calipers. So 90% of the braking will be handled by the regen system. And obviously, this doesn't include extreme driving. But what's interesting with that, the outgrowth, is they, they have changed the interval for brake pads to a time-based interval because they said brake pads go bad on time, which I, I didn't know about. And so they recommend changing the brake pads every six years. Well, I mean, it's it's weird how all this maintenance stuff is changing. Oil changes are gone. Brake pads are basically gone. Clutches are gone. You know, all these things are disappearing. It's a, it, and and that all this technology is going to flow downhill. So pretty soon, your Volkswagen ID three or whatever isn't going to need brake pads either. It's going to really change things up for all the maintenance shops that are around. It, which is which is fantastic for owners. Although it's also fantastic because those tires are. <laughs> <laughs> the tire bill is not going to be cheap with 5,100 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's uh, for sure. If, if you're out having fun. But if all you got to do is plug it in in the evening and then buy tires every year or two, it's pretty compelling. Yeah, I'm slowly I'm slowly coming around, not because I want to, but because I feel like I have to. Because it's it's almost <laughs> like it's it's like I'm being forced to, to, to eat the sandwich. You know, it's like, well, this is all there is left to eat. You better like it. <laughs> You know what I mean? So you it's, know, it's, I got I got forced to eat a uh, an idleberry sandwich here near the office, which is uh, at our little family market, and it's a vegetarian sandwich. And I thought, oh man, I got to eat this hummus thing with peppers and sprouts, and what am I doing here with this grain bread? It's awesome. And now when I walk <laughs> in, they're like idleberry, and I'm like, yeah. So you know, there's hope. Yeah. There's hope. There's yeah, there almost, I still I still am a bad man and have a salami sandwich every now and then, but. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's life after uh, Weber carburetors, or maybe I should say there's life next to Weber carburetors. Well, let, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get rid of my old 2.2. But, uh, you know, day to day, this is pretty appealing. I feel like it's going to make everything that we love at our core even more special, almost. Just having I think th- that's this true. vast contrast between the two. Well, and I've, I'm a big believer in when it comes to if you're going to have a Porsche or Porsches, my feeling is the way to go is to have real contrast. And so I'm a big fan of, I'd rather have an, a, a, a mediocre or sort of quote-unquote so-so or, or, or normal quote-unquote older Porsche, uh, let's say a 914.4, which I think is a fabulous car in its own right and underappreciated, uh, or a 912 or an early 911 or a mid-year. I'd rather have one of those cars and let's say a more recent Cayman or Boxster or 996 or 997 than to have one really nice one. And the reason for that is that I think that each of them makes you appreciate the other more. And so the Taycan becomes interesting as sort of the family vehicle. Uh, I think one thing that it got really right, unlike the first Panamera, is they didn't do the four uncompromised thing. They, you know, it's three across seating in the back, mm-hmm. which is so much more useful than a four seater. Right. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not scared of it. I don't view it as an or. I view it as an and. And as long that see that's the thing is as long as everybody sees it as an and, I'm okay with all of it. If someone tries to tell me it's an or, 
down the road 10, 12 years ago, 12 years from now, you can't drive that car anymore. It's just, it's not safe. It's this, it's that's the other thing. We're getting into some like whole other argument. I think we should, I think we should save that conversation for, for a more. That's when, well, that's when <laughs> you and I are buying either an island or Wyoming. Yeah, and exactly. We're just going to live there with a bunch of car crazy people and we'll just put fences up at all the borders and, uh, <laughs> and we'll just drive, we'll just drive our old, you know, 2.2s and, and 2.7s and whatever else. And we'll have proper fuel shipped in because you can't even get it here in California anymore. Right. Oh, that's so. probably true. And, and just think about that where people are going to have to be making their own fuel at some point. You know, it's, it's... Yeah. I'm starting to, 55 gallon drum delivery is starting to become appealing. I have a friend on the North coast, uh, that section you missed with your drive who actually has 55 gallon drums of hundred octane delivered for his GT three. <laughs> and so he's, he self fills at his house. What does that come out to as a gallon for cost? Cause usually that's like, <laughs> oh, nine bucks. I, I, yeah, it's well, okay. So it's nine bucks up at Sears point, which is, I'm supposed to call it Sonoma raceway, but, uh, you know, I'm guessing wholesale to you. It's probably six or eight bucks a gallon. <laughs> what a bargain. <laughs> yeah, but you know he's got a 4.1 liter uh, GT3 build, and he he likes the good stuff. Yeah, that's you know if that way you just eat whatever sandwich you want if you can do that, right? <laughs> he's he's nuts, and, he, and he's a, he's the great kind of nuts. I mean, he does a he does a pair of rear. Well, he used to do before the Cup Two came out. He would do a pair of Cup Ones twice for every oil change, and he's religious about his oil changes. Right. So this guy's my hero, basically. Sounds sounds like a pretty a guy that you want to hang out with for sure. Yeah, if you go to his favorite restaurant up there on the coast uh, and meet him for lunch, the restaurant doesn't take reservations, but his table always says has a sign that says "reserved for the White Dragon." <laughs> this is all stuff I need in my life. I need a, a sign that says "reserved for the Blue Dragon" or somewhere. That's what I'm talking about. Least, you need to find the right restaurant. I know. I need to figure it out. Maybe I need to travel even more. Yeah, I'm still trying to get the Marin Market to uh, to set up a name for my my favorite sushi, but so far no luck. So, <laughs> all right, man. Well, I uh, I'm going to hold you over here, so don't hang up. But I really appreciate you um, calling into the podcast and hanging out with us for a little while. It was been awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, and wish you a good time. See all right, ya. cool. Bye bye. Yes, Petrol Box. You guys know that Petrol Box is a monthly subscription service specifically for automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, and deliver them right to your doorstep. I actually was just wearing my new t-shirt that I got from them the other day, which I really like. There's actually two levels of these Petrol Box that you can choose from. The Petrobox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while you could upgrade then to the Petrobox Premium to get you more gear for $39.95 a month. I'm actually taking the flashlight I got from them camping. See? Yeah. They do have good gear in there. It really is cool. So be sure to check those guys out at mypetrolbox.com. And of course, use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get your discount of $6 off your first month's order. So, of course, everybody's comparing the Taycan to the Tesla Model S. Right. And the more and the more and the more that I've thought about it, the comparison doesn't really make sense. Of They're course not, it does. No. as The only reason it makes sense is because this car is seen as the next step in the evolution of the electric car. Model to model, 
They don't make sense. They're not the same car. Yeah, they are. No, they are not. They are four-door electric sedan, both premium pricing the Porsche, and brand. The Porsche is a sports car. The Tesla is a sports sedan. Why do you make that distinction? Because the, they're both sedans. I, I disagree with Just because something has a four-door doesn't mean it's not a sports car. Okay. I think that the Porsche is a far more sport-oriented, track-oriented vehicle. Tesla is meant for the road. It's meant for Rodeo Drive. You know, it's meant for that type of thing. It's Let's completely be real. Different. They're going to be doing the same things. It doesn't matter if they're going to be doing the same things. It's what the outlook of the engineers and the people that conceived the car were thinking that what the car would be used for I ideally. understand you're trying to make a distinction that the Porsche is so much more well-engineered. No, no, no. I'm not even form. there. I'm not even there. Okay. We, we all know the car is better engineered. We all know that the interior of the car is better. We all know that the fit and finish is better. Okay. It's been well well said that the, all yes, that stuff is You're having a better. major manufacturer produce this now, so it better be. So it, of course, it better be. But for some reason, the Tesla seems like the worst project at the science fair whereas the porsche seems like the volcano that's doing everything that all the kids are crowding around it just doesn't seem like the tesla is that it's nowhere near as special you're so if i can put words in your mouth you're saying the tesla is more of a gimmicky thing whereas the porsche is the real deal yes i would absolutely say that the uh, the uh, you know the meme that says you versus the one she's worried about? Yeah. That's 100% what this Tesla is. This The Tesla looks like ancient technology at this point compared to that car. You and I can think that, but the buyers who are looking at the Taycan will still look at the Model S, and they will compare them. They will cross-shop them, 100%. No, I I don't know. The, 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 the uh, one that's going to come out for like $100,000 or whatever, mm-hmm. no one's going to go at side by side back mm-hmm. to back no one in their right mind unless they need the extra 50 miles of range is going to buy the tesla not just because of the car not because of the stats not because of anything else but because the porsche has supplanted the tesla as the car to have as the cool as the hot right ticket. it's like what joel was saying all the early adopters that are gonna get this tech because they need the latest and greatest and can afford it they're gonna move to the porsche now instead of the tesla so what's the reason to own the Tesla Model S at the same price, at $100,000? I don't know. I don't think there is one. Made in America? Is yeah. that what I mean? Is I mean, that... there is still some people that just love Elon Musk so much that they're going to be the Tesla fans. I've already seen on Twitter people being like, well, yeah, well, the 0 to 60 time isn't as good, and, and blah, blah, oh, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. The, the... But that's all... You can look at as far as figures on these cars. You're yeah, not going to do lap doesn't... times. You're not going to do... The... the, the, the... Uh, the Takan did 742 on the Nurburgring. True. Okay. The, uh, the Tesla <laughs> did like 850, and that yeah. was and the car they just can't even they can barely do it. The, the, the Takan can support here. 160 miles per hour forever until the battery runs out. It yeah. can just do it. It can launch over and over again. It's got a, a legacy company behind it that has all this technology for suspension design and brake design and trash control from the 918 that they buried into this thing everything that they've learned tesla didn't learn anything they started from scratch with legos basically Mm, i think that's a bold claim why is that you're saying they didn't learn anything over the years of producing this I haven't seen a big jump in anything other than the new processor that helps to autonomously drive better. 
look at the very first Tesla. Uh, what do they call the Tesla Roadster? That the was the first before, one. I don't consider that. That was before Elon Musk's time. I don't consider that a real Tesla. I thought that, that was Elon Musk. I think that was right before him, wasn't it? No, because then the company was going to go. Tesla. No, I don't think that he did. Mm. I'm going to look this up right now. Okay. Regardless, I know what you're trying to make this distinction that is so much better. It's light years ahead. I still think they're in the same class. Yeah. So it was not founded by Elon Musk. Okay. So he just purchased the company. Yeah. He basically saved the company. Gotcha. Um, and and it was founded by Martin Eberhardt and Mark Tarpening under the name Tesla Motors in 2003. Interesting. So uh, here, can I put kind of the, the final word on this? <laughs> you could try. Okay. We haven't driven either of them. Most people will never drive either of them. But we should drive both of them. And then we should figure out how different they are. I don't think you need to. I, I, obviously, you. it would be nice to drive both. Yeah. Right. But we don't really need to drive both to look at the at what's fairly obvious right in front of you. Yeah. You could look at a moldy sandwich sitting on the on the table over here, speaking of sandwiches. Moldy sandwich and then a nice brand new sandwich from the Witch Witch or, you know, Big John Subs or whatever you want to call it. Are you it. just making up places? <laughs> <laughs> which sandwich are you going to eat? You don't need to eat both of the sandwich to know which one tastes better. You just know because you have ex- mm-hmm. you have experience driving. You know what companies are capable of. You don't need Chris, have taste you ever had sushi? No. <laughs> Do you like sushi? No. <laughs> okay, on that note. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you on Monday for our news our episode. New segment. And we actually have a new Patreon episode coming out as well. As well. Yeah, we do. What's that about? That will be, uh, we're going to have a discussion about homologa- homologation cars over the years. So if you tuned in last week uh, with the Lancia Stratos, which was, of course, one of the coolest homologation cars to come out of Italy, it really sparked Is it homologation or homogulation? Homogulation? Huh. Homologation? That's a really good question that we should figure homologation. out. Homologation. Yeah, I so I was you... right. <laughs> okay. Always. Yes, homologation cars. So that'll be really cool. All right. Well, we'll see you on Monday, guys. Take care. Bye.